0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most ambitious crossover event of all time. That's right. Step aside Avengers Infinity War. Step aside That's So Sweet Life of Hannah Montana. Step aside Allen Iverson breaking Tyron Lue's ankles. Today, Jonathan Safi and I are gonna be doing an episode of Corn Things and Double Take all in one. What does that mean exactly? Other than that, we're gonna be posting the podcast on Double Take SoundCloud account and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify through Corn Things. Well, nothing really. But anyways, get ready, John. What are we talking about well, today? First, my name's not Jonathan; it's John. Second, I don't remember the Hannah Montana Sweet Life. Did they Dude, really do they really do that? You remember that? That they was did like Zach and Cody with Hannah Montana. It was a staple of our childhood. They brought Hannah Montana to the to I the have no hotel. recollection of that at all. But today we do have a great episode. Obviously, today's Monday, or Tuesday rather. Today's Tuesday, 4 uh, p.m. right now, is when we're recording this. And two days ago, a Sunday night, was the last installment, episodes 9 and 10, of uh, the Jordan Bulls documentary, um, which. Well, everyone in, during this time of quarantine bec- uh, due to the coronavirus, was uh, everyone was itching to be watching some sports. So this gave sports fans uh, a great thing to watch. Nice over, five weeks. Yeah, nice five weeks of sports. Ten episodes. Uh, so we will be discussing all things related to that um, documentary. We haven't done an episode in a long time. Alex and I were finishing up our, our online classes. And actually this week, we just got our wisdom teeth out too. So, but... We're going to be getting into our six takeaways from the documentary. Uh, would the 1999 Bulls have repeated if they or kept four, the team together? Peated. I'm sorry, what I said? <laughs> he said repeat. If they, would they have four-peated if they kept the team together? We're going to talk about our favorite people, scenes, and quotes from the documentary. We're going to revisit the GOAT conversation, which is definitely... I can't say, you know... It's been reopened because... It's, ra- it's, been, it's ramped up, for ha- sure. I wouldn't say that because it's always been open, you yeah. know? Dude, so, I don't know. It's, gone, it's on, it's on and, steroids now. Right. And lastly, we will discuss the next uh, documentary that we think ESPN should make about any NBA player. But first, Alex. So, here we go with the first topic. Kick it off with our your six, first takeaway. Our six biggest takeaways from the documentary. Obviously, six. Jordan has six rings pretty poetic you like that uh so we'll we'll go every other leo dicaprio i'll I'll start oh yeah leo (laughs) so i'll start with my my biggest takeaway from the documentary this one's a pretty basic one nothing too groundbreaking michael jordan is the greatest winner in any sport so you know what stands out from his career is obviously six for six something that the mj goat argument supporters will always always bring up first in you know his argument is that he was six for six which is obviously just crazy because if you if you go to the you know all-time greatest nba players of all time and you go, go down the list, look i look so obviously we, everyone knows lebron's record is three and six kareem was six and four even bill russell he was 11 and one he lost one magic well lost four finals bird lost two Duncan even won one. He was five and zero no, up and up, or no, I guess he was four zero. No. He lost twenty thirteen. Yeah, so he lost one. Shaq lost two. Kobe lost two. The list goes on. But if you really look at the top, the play, the, the top list of players of all time, none of them has zero final losses. None of the top, you know, ten, fifteen have zero final finals losses. So that will always be, you know, one of the biggest reasons why he, I think, is the greatest winner, not only in basketball but in sports. And then. The thing that I took away from this was in episode 10 with that Jazz game is, or j- Get Jazz Game 6, 1998, you really just see. I think that's probably MJ's greatest game, and he literally just whirled yeah, on of to win. not believe that. And that made me think he's the greatest winner in any sport because that was when you saw. Uh, Pippen had a lot of back issues and he couldn't play the whole game pretty much. Or he, he played the whole playing, game, but he, he said was, he was the decoy. Yeah, he was a decoy. He wasn't doing much. He I don't think I think he scored like five, four six. I don't know. He did not score a lot of points in that game. And so Jordan was was by far like the only offensive threat on that Bulls team because they weren't. I mean, they weren't really going to go to Ku coach much. And Rodman's obviously not an offensive player at all. So Jordan, and then that's what he. I think he talks about right after. Um in the interviews, is he was saying I was m- uh, most proud of that win just because it wasn't just him relying on his absurd athleticism and skill. It was more that he had to use his mind to uh, you know to be able to pace himself that game. And pull out the win. So I think yeah. that's my first takeaway. Jordan is the greatest I, winner of all time. Yeah, I definitely think that also. I mean, listen, I wasn't alive in the 90s watching these games. But just of all the ones I've heard of, you know, the flu games up there. Or like the, the shot that he had against the Cavaliers uh, to win in game five of that series in his, his early. '89. Yeah, in uh, early in his career. You know, you hear about all these great um, games. The game he dropped 62 against the, the 86 Celtics, which are arguably... 63. You said 62. 63, right. (laughs) Arguably against uh, the 86 Celtics, who are arguably one of the greatest teams ever. Top three, maybe. Um, And out of all those games, I do think, like, just hearing about people talk about, um, you know, ESPN and podcasts that I listen to in documentary, um, it does seem like that is his greatest game. Especially you know, the sequence in, like, the last 40 seconds. I was just, oh, like, yeah. shocked there because I'd never seen the game. And at the end, they show, you know, John Stockton hits that three. Uh, the Jazz take the lead. And it's, like, 41 seconds left. They call the time What out, are they going to do? The timeout. And I'm like, wow, in this next 40 seconds, we know MJ's going to go bucket, get the steal. Uh, He's going to strip Carl Malone. Carmelone, and then get that last shot, which, obviously, um, you know, everyone who pretty much knows about that one. Um, and... So I think that that last sequence is just incredible watching and like how he basically, I mean, Bill Simmons talked about it in his last podcast, like he said, he's he's seen LeBron, LeBron got to this point in 2018, where he was just very aware of (laughs) as the greatest player on his team and on the court, he was aware of like what he had to do to get his team to win, you know, he was gonna have to play this many minutes, and he was gonna have to rest during the second quarter and like guard this guy or he was gonna have to shoot this many shots and uh, and so on and that's basically what you know Jordan talked about it wasn't just about like all his body and what he was doing physically it was about his mind right and um so I think that's just something that it's one of the greatest sports performances that we've ever seen um all right what's the next takeaway so my next takeaway was that you know obviously the documentary isn't just about Michael Jordan although he is the main reason that the documentary he's the only re- he's the one reason that it did happen but um the story about the Bulls greatness is about more than just having MJ that's that was one of my takeaways and the thing that I saw with all those Bulls teams you know with from the, f- the front office down is that they all knew what Bill Simmons um who he's someone that you know I've read his books I listen to his podcast all the time um uh Bill Simmons he's the CEO right of the ringer In his book, he wrote a book, the book of basketball, in two thousand and ten. And one of his first chapters, I think, before he gets into you know all his greatest players, the greatest teams of all time, all that in his book, he talks about the secret. Who um, he talks about the basketball, right? Right, the secret that he thinks all championship teams have had. And um, he talks about when he he met Isaiah Thomas, who was like mad at him because. Bill Simmons had like trashed him in, you know, for being a horrible GM of the New York Knicks. Knicks. And the secret is basically that it's not about basketball, right? And that it's about, um, you know, all the guys embracing their roles and, you know, coming together and putting aside, you know, their egos and, you know, the money and all that stuff and coming together and embracing, you know, their roles. Whether that's, you know, Dennis Rodman saying, I'm just going to be the best rebounder and defensive player and do all that and I'm not going to care about, you know, Th- my how many, how shots, many shots I'm shots shooting, them, right? or if that's Steve Kerr and John Paxton saying like, "I'm yeah, we're gonna be the guy waiting in the corner that when MJ." you know, is going to pass that shot to us, we have to be ready. And that's something I love that Steve Kerr mentioned. He's like, I only had four shots a game as a role player. And I knew that, you know, if my margin for error was so small, you know, if I messed up, it was going to show a lot more. Whereas, you know, Jordan was shooting 20 shots a game. If he missed one, it wasn't as big of a deal. Um, Or the biggest one I think of is like Scottie Pippen, for example, right? He had to be number two for his whole career. And who knows? Like, Towards the end, obviously, he got upset, and that's we're gonna definitely get into that and why the team had to break up. And he was upset about the money, and he probably feels somewhat, you know, like he could have probably been a player, a number one guy on other teams, whereas he was the the greatest number two I think we've seen ever that complimented Jordan so well. So I think that was my big takeaway is that it was about having all these great glue guys. Um, and role players, and again, an all time great coach. So it was about the all time great coach, the all time great number two in Scotty Pippen, and the all time great role players that that team had. And it con- got concocted at what I think is the greatest team all time, at least up to that point before what the 2017 uh, Golden State Warriors. Stack team. Um, ooh, whoopsies. <laughs> all right, Alex, what is your next takeaway? So, no, takeaway number three it's, it's kind of a good segue because you talked about. It's not those championships wasn't just Jordan. It was more about their team. Right. So this one, my I don't think this will be too hot of a take. But my takeaway, my third ta- or our third takeaway is Jerry Krause, flaws and all, was a great GM. And so the reason I think this is because obviously you just mentioned how great not just Jordan was in those years. That's un, that's un, you know undisputable. Jordan was was great, but the teams you know, from their number two on down, was, were always really, really, you know, Jordan was always well-surrounded with, with, a, with a bunch of good glue guys, as you said. Um, so I, I, the reason I'm crediting Kraus, although the document doesn't give him much credit at all, yeah. um, he's obviously the bad guy. Yeah, throughout. definitely the bad guy, which I'll, I'll talk about that too. But anyway, um, is just how many guys do we see with just incredible talent, you know, they have the all-time great potential... And so many, years of their prime get flushed down the toilet just because of the managerial incompetence or or even, like, in unluckiness. Like, basically, it's very hard to surround um, a right. great player. I and mean, LeBron good. played seven years with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, so we've seen right? LeBron with a lot of those teams that he, he had never early, had a great number two, like yeah. Scott. He never had a great coach like Phil Jackson, obviously. Yeah, until he went to Miami, until then he left. came back. But... Uh, But LeBron, so those early years in his career, Kobe spent a a good amount of those years in between having Shaq and before they ended up with Gasol, Bynum, and all the other guys on that, or Lamar Odom on those championship teams. Um, So Kobe had some years in there. Like the year he scored 81, the Lakers weren't even good that year. Even the the year that he was an MVP, I think it was was like 05, or it was was 06, I think. No, I think it was. It was one of those years in there, but it was when they weren't even that great of a team. Yeah. So, and the list goes on of just guys we've seen. But with Jordan, within a few years, obviously his first years weren't great either. But I mean, and the the doc portrays those early Bulls teams right when Jordan gets drafted as you know some a cir- a circus of cocaine and and just like it was very unprofessional. But Kraus comes in, and he just he does something that no one really talks about. But Pippen, they talked about how he came from a small school. He wasn't a super a super you know high highly coveted prospect in the NBA draft. He takes Pippen at number five, which obviously. You yeah. can't even speak enough about, and I mean, you know they don't win else. those championships without Pippen. And so. obviously, and I don't know if you know, but they also took a player who was obviously very important for those first the first three-peat. They also drafted Horace Grant in that draft. draft. Yeah, they drafted Grant, so that was important. So, getting Pippen and Horace Grant, you know, the second and third best players of their three-peat, yeah. which, that's, that's very important. That's, that is what Krause exactly. did. Exactly. And then another thing was, he drafted Oakley the year after, Charles Oakley, the year after um, he drafted Jordan. And with a lot of GMs, when you draft, a few young players it seems like they almost get attached and they always want to hang on to them and hope that it works out but with oakley he tr- he made a great trade which he traded oakley who jordan liked so i'm sure that was a hard decision and he traded oakley for bill cartwright who needed a center yeah they needed a, a more a, a bigger more defensive minded center um so that ended up being huge for them in their first repeat just as drafting pippen and Horace grant and then also the huge other thing was that with doug collins I, th- I guess the documentary s- didn't gloss over it too much, but I remember in the beginning... They showed, I think, he, that he was a great coach, no, and no. Michael liked him a lot. Well, that's, yeah, that's what but I was going to say. Is the they first- shifted from being a player coach, like where everything was centered around MJ, to Phil and the Triangle. Exactly. So the first few the episodes... Team- it has doug collins and i'm like doug collins is awesome like i wonder what's gonna happen like i wonder why they don't keep him because mj clearly liked him they had some success but he gets he fires doug collins and promotes phil jackson which once again phil jackson arguably best coach of all greatest coach of all time so that was a um one more great thing that Krauss did and then one of the last things also is when they're describing rodman after he leaves uh Detroit, a lot of teams didn't want anything to do with him. I think that was when he had the year with San Antonio and San Antonio didn't really work out well. Right. Um and so every, the rest of the league was kind of like, oh, we don't want this guy. He's a head case. And that then, you know, they the crowd They signed Rodman um, and everything works, which you have to give credit to MJ, Phil Jackson, and just like the uh the structure of, of the team and keeping Rodman in line. But I think that was obviously. So huge that they were able to right. get him even though no one really liked him at the time. Yeah, so that's so, so that's kind of my takeaway. Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, that's a good third takeaway to have but one thing I, w- I guess I would slightly push back on is that You know, we call you said your takeaway was that he you know, jerry cross was a great gm yep. and my thing is like He did build like a- this beautiful house, right? But he was the one who let his own ego get in the way and he burned it down in the end So it was a great house that, in my opinion, you know, they could have lived in that house for a few yeah. extra years towards the end. Maybe maybe that's only one season, which we are going to get into that topic about the 1999 season. Um, but I do think that he, a big stain on his legacy, as as many smart decisions as Alex, as you just named with Pippen and the coaching and getting Rodman and Horace Grant, all that, I just think that he he can never be forgiven for being the reason that they burned... For burning the team down for and sure. burning the house down, and he like obviously it, you know it's there's a lot of factors that came into it. You know he didn't like like MJ and Scotty kind of bullied him. I mean there was reasons well, for that stuff. That's what I. But he was the he was the guy who said, "Listen, if Phil goes eighty two and 0 he's he's not staying as the head coach." Like, sure. where's the logic in that? It didn't make any sense. Well, here's I just what I think. Understand. Understand I think obviously so. what he did in '99 was. Or 98 was an offseason 98 doesn't really make sense i i can't really defend that however that for me that doesn't discount him building those six championship teams obviously he also he did inherit jordan when he uh was hired for the bulls but i think that he probably i can't remember where i heard this but he probably he didn't get let me think about oh he got less credit than he deserved but he wanted more credit then he deserved also. Oh, yeah, who said that? One. Was that in the documentary? Yeah, no, it was. Okay. it was. I think, I want to see it was like David Aldridge one of those guys that yeah. he... Um, didn't get the credit he deserved, but he wanted more, more than, he, than deserved. he deserved. So I th- And I think in the documentary, they kind of spent more time just bashing him. And not like, because that's the one thing I was just looking at. I was like, Jesus! Well, like, that's look the at theme of the whole- he put so, together. Even Jordan coming back and for him to be able to get yeah. Rodman and turn that around, because that 95 team, right. with the Bulls, was not good enough to win. Yeah. And, and, you know, that is like, the again, that you said they're trashing him a lot. And that is the theme of the the documentary, right? Like they could have they could have focused it on, I don't know, you know, one of the other, like the, you know, the first three pete or, you know, I- I'm not sure exactly, but they focused it very specifically on 98. It wasn't just, this is MJ's career. The documentary mm-hmm. is focused on, right the last dance. And, you know, that does kind of take me to my, my my next takeaway, which was oftentimes the reason that great teams uh, don't reach their full potential is for non-basketball reasons, right? So talking about Jerry Krause in this way, it's like the reason that, they, that the team broke up wasn't about them not being a good enough basketball team it wasn't that Scottie Pippen couldn't make enough shots or that MJ wasn't you know passing enough to the teammates or, they, or, or even that they got old right, right. Or, or that they you know their coach didn't come up with enough good plays and like it had really nothing to do with it and that's why i think that my as i talk about in my first ter- takeaway was like they were a perfectly constructed team from like you know the number one two and three guys they had the rebounders they had the shot uh the shot makers um like you know kerr and uh john paxton and, and like they had this and obviously they had a great defensive players um but it, and all of that it really had nothing, the storyline about how the team ends after the 98 season has nothing to do with basketball, right? It's about, um, you know, money and pride and, and the egos and, like, the image and the fame and, like, all this and the relationships and other non-basketball factors. But we were actually, two, it was two nights ago, we were watching it and we were sitting there with our sister Jana, who isn't very into sports, and she kept, she's sitting there asking us a million questions, right? Like, why do they do? Why, why do you break the team up? That's so stupid. And we're like, all right, Jen, just like watch. <laughs> and at the end, she goes, oh, it was just pride. And she's talking about like, you know, toxic masculinity and how <laughs> everyone's ego gets in the way. And like, I think that was interesting when my sister, I think she had watched maybe like two or three episodes with us. She basically took away what I think is the theme of it, of why the team breaks up. And it's because uh, you know jerry Krause didn't like mj and pippen and and them getting phil getting all the credit where he didn't he felt like he didn't get enough and then he said you know even though the team could have had a shot basically to win in 99 he was going to take it apart no matter yeah. what even if they went 82 and 0 so i think that was a big takeaway that i took about and that's just for sports in general you know it 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 depends a lot on all the other factors you know the relationships within people in the organization and money and ego and fit and You know, pride and the fame and all that stuff. So, Alex, what's the fifth takeaway? All right. So, the fifth takeaway, this is another kind of theme of not only the documentary, but just sports in general, is that defense wins championships. And this is something we all have heard a ton of times. If you've played sports, if you've watched sports, whatever. My middle school basketball coach was always yelling at us. That's right. (laughs) But um, I guess my takeaway also kind of, I was thinking, the more I was thinking about it is how that era compares to this era, and just noticing all the extremely low-scoring games that we saw in the, especially the last two. Um, well, how about the Jazz? The Jazz scored fifty-four in games. Yeah, three, well, like, the Jazz series. Well, not the only Bulls they, just shut them down. Yeah, the Bulls shut game. them down. They scored fifty, but then we had a lot of games in the seventies and the eighties, which today that's that's such an anomaly. You'd almost you'd almost be less surprised if you saw double that score than if you saw that score in today's yeah. NBA. So, um, but looking at those Jordan championship teams. They're very different from the teams that we see win championships today and that they don't jump out with the offensive flashiness and the firepower that our great teams you know today have instead right. we had defense because just comparing like, let's look at the last few championships i'll i'll, I'll skip over the uh raptors because that's just a random one but like the dynasty of the of the what's it called the warriors they had curry they had Durant and they had Klay Thompson. Those guys are just pure scorers. They just right. get buckets. And then the, before that, you had obviously the, Le, the LeBron Caswin, but you had guys like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. with With these championships in the in in Focus the nineties, on the defensive, players. exactly it, yeah. it was it was it was uh, Michael Jordan. But then look at his surrounding players. It was Pippen, and then you had Grant. Who those both guys are. Great defensive players. They, I mean, they can play offense too. But even Pippen, Pippen, you wouldn't call Pippen a scorer. He, the first thing you'll say about Pippen is just how great he was at defense. He was ten time All def, All NBA Defensive Team. Um, Grant was also a great defender. And then that second three P, you had Rodman. You had you had Ron Harper's another great defender. And then early on, they had Bill Cartwright too. If I have to mention him. But so you, the guys that were Jordan was surrounded with were defenders, which you don't see that in today's NBA. In today's NBA, everything is. How many open shooters yeah. can we get? How many guys who can get buckets can we get? Like I honestly think guys like Rod, maybe Rodman was so great, so obviously he would probably be. Well, you, there's like, no guys like him. There's yeah, no there guy that's just no like oh he's gonna grab twenty rebounds again or whatever, fifteen rebounds and he go like average, one for three, yeah. and, and he's not gonna shoot it all and just play great defense, yeah. you know? And like you, you definitely don't see that. And, and if you can, you look at the big threes of today, and a lot of them are like you know they have staggered like this players, um, you know. This player's great, uh, like you know, strength points are another player's weak points, right? And they complement each other in that way. But if you just look at like MJ, Pippen, and Dennis Rodman, like just three lockdown, like all-time mm-hmm. great defenders, and yeah. like looking at a team like that, I don't think we'll ever see you know a team like that now. I mean, maybe with like you could say Kawhi, Paul George, Pat Beverly. I think that's probably pretty close to three guys, you know, that in a starting lineup can all really defend really well. Um, but again seeing it in in that way was just so different than anything we see today and there's a lot of reasons maybe it's because I think the reason of is, three point shooting yeah i think you can stop also you can't the stop rules stop teams the anymore. rules have changed right like the bad boy pistons wouldn't be able to be a successful team in today's nba because their go to you know style of play was like be, being aggressive being physical. and physical and like knocking guys down i'm like there's probably some there's times where they're holding dudes down on a rebound or shoving a guy that didn't get called, you know, back in the day in the '80s and '90s. Yeah. But nowadays, those calls are gonna ha- get called, and you know, Bill and might foul out in like the <laughs> second or third quarter. <laughs> it's um, true. So, th- I think it, there's a lot of reasons for that. Maybe it's the way the style that styles. Yeah, uh, teams play. would never would never maybe maybe make the their teams changes. like that. They would because they'll get just outscored. If you have a guy like like Robin on the court for, for an extended period of time, as great as he is at defense. The, the better offense, offensive player will probably be able to make su- su- some shots. And at that right. point, Robin's a liability in not being able to hit open shots. I mean, yeah, so. where, I guess you just put him right on the baseline. He can make that open yeah, shot if, if they decide yeah. to double Jordan off him. But, but yeah. Okay, and then lastly, I think this is my last takeaway. Or last takeaway. This is the one I wanted to make it last because I, we're definitely going to have to talk about this. But I think it was <laughs> too much of a focus of what... This documentary is about, and that is that the generations will always debate with each other and have emotional bias towards their goat. And I think that this documentary was taken as too much of an opportunity to just trash LeBron or look at today's NBA and say, oh, yeah, you know, look how great those teams in the 90s were, the Knicks uh, and, you know, the Pistons and the Pacers and, you know, those teams will, those physical teams, you'll never see that in today's NBA. Everyone's too soft and the AAU generation. Everyone just wants to play together and whatever. And I think that, you know, I just think it was too negative about today's generation so you know what like that's (laughs) fine if if you hate today's NBA then don't watch it but again getting back to my point about you know the LeBron because not only trashing today's generation but today's you know great player who's lebron he's he's this generation's jordan right and just the opportunity that people like i mean listen it's when it's skip bayless tweeting something because he wants people to watch the show i don't i i'm okay you know that's for yeah he's he's going for the shock he's gonna say some outlandish stuff like he said he said the documentary was the last dance for lebron's goat case you know like something. like okay that's just funny you know he's gonna he's in media and he's he act he's you know, playing to the sensationalism of the documentary, right? And he needs, he wants to get more viewership, so he's going to say stuff that's going to outrage people because then more people will tune in and watch. And I'm okay with that stuff. But, you know, just even in general, just hearing older people talk about, like the older generation talk about it, it's like... If you know, and if they say, listen, MJ's one, LeBron's two, that's it. But it's when I hear, like, for example, our Uncle Jordan, (laughs) who just he thinks LeBron's not even top ten all the time, like (laughs) LeBron's horrible. Like, when I hear this type of stuff, I'm just like, there's no point in even having a conversation because I I can't speak rationally to you about it. Here's what I think if you don't at least respect LeBron. If you think MJ's one, that's great. But I just think so many times I saw tweets where it was like LeBron's awful. Look what M- like. Look at MJ did. Look what MJ just did in that episode. LeBron would never do that. He sucks. Like yeah. No. Well, here's what I think is. I think the key part there with your takeaway was the emotional bias, and without a doubt, I think what I started to realize in watching these episodes was, um, it's certainly great and it's amazing to rewatch and almost relive these '90s years where Jordan was so dominant. But for these people who are, who watched it when they were a kid, maybe or that was like their they the reason they fell in love with basketball or something. They're like rewatching it, and it's so it's so deeply emotional to them that there's no way they're gonna be like, they're gonna be able to have like look rationally and unbiased about this goat argument. Right. Same. Our honestly, memories are. Same stupid. with us, yeah. John, because for us, LeBron is. I mean, maybe you. No, we, we both we both appreciate the argument that Jordan has and we would... I think I could... Ar- right now, he's my number one. That's what I'll say. I mean, I could argue for Jordan all day, but I will never... Like, I'm always gonna think LeBron's the, my great, like, the goat, my yeah. goat. Just because I grew up watching there. LeBron and no matter, like, how many documentaries they make or whatever it is, I'm never gonna change my mind. Just like the the people like our Uncle Jordan or Skip Bayless, whatever, our, our high school biology teacher, Mr. Yeah, Conan. Mr. Conan. They're never gonna <laughs> change their minds because that Jordan was the guy they watched and... I just think it's so hard to be unbiased about it. And yeah, like, I don't, think, I don't what, think anyone's biased. Anyone's going to be we're gonna unbiased. We're going to revisit this. We're all biased. T- We're going to revisit this conversation towards the end. So I don't want to spend too yeah. much time on that. We're just about almost halfway through the episode. But next, I think this is another you know, topic to t- that discusses like, the theme of the whole documentary. I think, um, and that is, would the Bulls have won the 1999 NBA title if the team had stayed together? So Alex, what do you think about that? Yeah, so my answer is definitely going to be no on that. I do not think the 1999 Bulls would have won the title. Um... And I think what actually happened was actually the perfect ending to Jordan's career. I mean, we talked about Game 6 earlier of the 1998 Finals. And you really can't... You can't write a better ending than that. Obviously, the, we joked about the documentary not showing any of the Wizards years. Right. People, people I, like to forget those. There was like five minutes left and I'm like, wow, they're going to fit all those Wizards seasons into the last five <laughs> yeah. minutes of the show. But anyway, um, so my reason for not... For thinking they wouldn't win it is a couple things. First, there was a lockout season that year, as a lot of people know. So... What happened was um there was an extended uh off season, which would have helped the Bulls as they just came off playing three straight finals and they were pretty gassed. Right. And MJ older. had like three a hundred game seasons yeah. in a row. But I think what ended up happening, so then after you had the extended period, they started on February fifth and it went the regular season went through May fifth. So that's fifty games. They went they played fifty games in three months. So that I think actually would have hurt it did well it did hurt older teams. Um, for example, the veteran teams like the Utah Jazz, who had just played in two straight finals, and now they were finally going to get their chance in a, in a league without Jordan. That team lost earlier than expected. Right. I think they lost in the second round or something. And then the Pacers that we also saw go seven with Jordan, they lost in the and conference Miami. finals. And my Miami, well, we, 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 we were the number one seed. We were we had like some veterans, but we whatever. So yeah, I guess a lot of older teams it hurt them um, right. in that playoffs. And that Knicks team that was an 8C that no one can understand how they somehow, or at least me looking at, you know, history, the history books, I can't understand how that Knicks team went to the finals, but their young core of players were all below 30. So I think that the Bulls being older, that would have hurt them. And then on top of it, I don't think they would have been able to bring everyone back because you have to, they had to pay Pippen a ton of money. And Jordan said that they would have had to do, he would have had to do some convincing with Pippen. Um, and then you have to pay... MJ's not going to take us a pay cut, right? And then you have to pay Rodman. Meanwhile, Rodman, speaking of the age thing, Rodman only played like... Wait, I wrote it down somewhere. What, are you talking about the next season? The next the next season, he played... No, oh, He played he 23 played games. With the Lakers. 23 games. And the following season, he played 12. So, Rodman okay. only gets 35 more games in his whole career. And right. Rodman is obviously an integral part of their championship teams. Um but and then oh, I'll I'll just push back quickly. In those games that he played for the Lakers, which obviously you know I was not there to watch, I just looked up his basketball reference page. He averaged eleven rebounds for him. So he went in and, and obviously it, it was a small sample size. Yeah, twenty three games. That's games. half the season though, right? It was a fifty game season, right? When he played for the Lakers. So I'm saying, listen, maybe you get Rodman for half of that season and whatever. I'll 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 push back after. Yeah. Finish so so let me. Yeah. Well, the last thing I did want to say is. People are still going to talk about how great Jordan was in those seasons. So, oh, Jordan would have been enough. Jordan would not have been enough in the 99 season if he didn't have Pippen or if he didn't have a Robin who was on point. Okay. And, and the reason that, my, that I, my evidence for that is in the Orlando season, or excuse me, in the Orlando series when Jordan comes back in 1995 after playing baseball, um, everyone actually Jordan was like super out of shape and, not, and he wasn't as good and he was rusty. Sure, there was a little rust. But if you look at his numbers in the Orlando series, he averaged 31 points, six and a half rebounds, and nearly four assists, and two and a half steals on 47% shooting. So Jordan was just, who is just as good. Um, those numbers are, are the same as he was in the previous years and the years after. I think those numbers, that style is even better than his 96 playoff run. Um, so, but really the the problem with that Orlando series was that they didn't have the, Interior defensive guy They didn't have Horace Grant They didn't have Rodman And yeah, so the next yet. year They get Rodman And that's how they're able to be, to be better So I don't think MJ Even as great sure. as he was In 99 Or he would have been In 99 Would not have been enough For this team to have Won the championship So listen my, This is my evaluation Of your argument I think that You have points When you talk about Non-basketball factors Right Which was another Theme of the documentary The non-basketball factors Are very important But I think If you're trying to convince me That Michael Jordan led team with that team intact obviously you know they were rusty or not rusty they were tired after playing three straight seasons into the finals but if you're gonna try and tell me that from a basketball standpoint that eight-seeded Knicks without because without Patrick Ewing because he got injured was gonna beat that team in the lockout Jordan season I I won't take that. Maybe, maybe you think the Duncan-led yeah, uh, you know, Robinson you, being, Spurs are. That's fine. They're not beating the Spurs, I'm say, even if they, they get to the finals. Well, listen, they get out of the East and they get to the finals. So maybe Jordan goes six and one. But my my argument is just that, that you can't. The question is this. Would they have won the 99 title if they stayed together? So, yeah, you can say, oh, no, you know, because they wouldn't have been able to stay together because of the money and Pippin wouldn't want to. But listen, I really thought it was interesting at the end of episode 10 when Jordan goes, listen, you think that... If you go to Steve Kerr and you go to Rodman and you go to, um, you know, Pippen and or you, you go to all these guys and say, one more year, you know, s- sign a contract. You think they're going to say, no, let's go for number seven. He, and he even said, he admitted, he's like, Scotty well, would take some convincing. But I think if everyone was back, I think we could have done John, it. I'm I glad we you brought that seven. up. I'm glad you brought that up because that thing for me was the only time in the, in the doc where I was a little bit skeptical about how honest Jordan's being just because... I think it's being dishonest. Well, let me just tell you. How easy is it to sit back, you know, what are we, twenty years later and just say, oh yeah, we wanted to all go for seven. So you think he didn't think that? I'm just here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. did not think that. It's much easier to say today that they would have gone for it. But after look, Jordan was cooked after the first repeat, and he even felt like he had nothing left to conquer just because he had beaten everyone. You're telling me that after the six titles, Jordan is still just gonna be is gonna be just as hungry for the seventh one. Plus, they're all they're, all their bodies are cooked. For, look at Pippin's back; he couldn't even play through the last game. He so, would get help. Listen, you're the one who just talked about it. it was the long. They had a long off season, right? It was fifty games. All I'm saying is this: I don't want to hear basketball reasons that they wouldn't be able to get out of that Eastern Conference, because I think, like, if you you're not being Spurs, you're not beating Duncan and okay, and d- ro- listen, uh, Robinson. sports. We don't know that. We, we you're right. We don't know. Maybe nah, they would have. No. Maybe they would have. Maybe they would have signed some other you know power forward, and that would help. <laughs> they would have had to probably. You know, they would have had to right. But and then Robin wasn't the same right. But um, again, like I'm just saying is like from a basketball standpoint. Let's take that '98 team and keep it together for one more season, one 50 game season, and then it's you know the you know February to May, and then in May it's the playoffs. I think because in, we saw an eight seeded team. You know, without Patrick Ewing, without their star, get out of the East and then what? Get swept in the finals or yeah? But it was four zero or four one. Exactly. Well, that's why I, I think. I think. How are you going to say that Michael Jordan wouldn't get out? I think the Spurs would have been way too good to have, to have lost to the uh, to that the Bulls team in, in ninety nine. Additionally, just going back to what Mike said is: Am I supposed? I'm supposed to believe that a player as powerful as Jordan and like probably the best player of all time. Couldn't have if he really wanted to come back that year, you're telling me he couldn't just go up to Kraus and Reinsdorf and demand that they keep Phil. And cause Reinsdorf was already willing to offer well, that's the uh, other thing fill out contract. So, so you're telling me if he says pay Scotty, keep Phil, go get the players we need. You're telling me Jordan if Jordan went up and did that to them, they would have said no. Well they listen again off. I, Like I really think if Jordan really wanted to come back for that next year, question, he could have made it happen. The question isn't like should they have stayed together, given the logistics and why not? Because I did. I was doing some extra reading on this, and I was reading that like Phil Jackson has some philosophy that once it's after seven years, your message becomes a little less um, meaningful to your players and something. So Phil, death like Phil got offered the contract. That's what Reinsdorf says in it. But again, I think that. I'm answering the question directly. Like, if they stay together, would they win? It's not like, oh, could they have possibly found a way to logistically stay together? Maybe it's true that there's no way they would have stayed together because on Phil's side of it, he would have left, or Scotty was just too, you know, a bitter by the end of it, and you know, Kraus was too upset that he didn't get enough credit, and he was gonna break up the team no matter what. Like, maybe it all comes down to that. But I'm just saying, if they stay together. I'm just saying, you look at that playoffs. Well, they're still. I think they have a shot. They're still not beating San Antonio. That's okay. That's that's your opinion, but I'm saying there's no way for us to see what that. If they were going to show up and not play well, then then you have then you have. You know, a point there. Yeah. But if they're going to show up and be the team that they've been, where they were they went up 3-0 against the Sonics, then they beat the Jazz in back-to-back years, including the 1998 year when, right, Malone was MVP. Was he MVP? That, no, I'm sorry. MJ was MVP that year. But they but Malone and Stockton, right, together for two years in a row, and they were up 3-1-98. You know, I, I, I thought it was going to be closer than that. Oh, this, they're limping into the playoffs. Yeah. They're limping into that the finals. Utah China. takes game one. And then guess what? They won three straight, yeah. so I was kind of like, "All right, they're up three one in this '98 season. Like, what? I thought they were gonna face some adversity. So, but the, last games, the last two games, the last two games, with Scottie Pippen getting injured and everything. Right. Anyway, the They'll, two games, it was it was closer. But again, let's I just move think, on. But the last thing I'll say is, there's a reason no one's uh, four peated in the modern era, other much. than Steve Kerr,
1: I, I mean, <laughs> who <laughs> hopped
0: onto the Spurs in the '98 season yeah, and won right. four straight. Um. So our All next right, question. Really quickly, let's do this this segment. Yeah. John, I'll start with start with you. Who or what was your favorite episode? Your favorite character scene? What was your favorite moment of of the yeah. Last Dance documentary? So I would say maybe I can't pinpoint you know one episode, but I would just say generally I love the stuff on each individual player. Like they have the. The Steve Kerr part, you know, which he was one of my favorite guys in it. They had the Dennis Rodman episode just about how crazy he was and like how he was just like this. He felt like he was this free soul and he couldn't be chained up by this team. He couldn't stay and go to every practice and whatever. And Phil, who was also interesting, they gave his like a little backstory. Phil understood this and let Rodman kind of run free, yeah. but also, you know, had to reel him in at certain points. Um and then also the Scottie Pippen one in episode two, and they talk about his contract and everything. But I would say my favorite probably part, maybe not pinpointing when episode was, it was episode six, uh, I want to say going transitioning into seven, which talked about, you know, Jordan, it, it was his competition problem, right? Not his gambling addiction, right? He was super competitive. And I just thought it was funny to watch, like, the little behind-the-scenes clips where he's, like, he's flipping coins against the wall with, like, the security guards. Or, like, he's, uh, or I also have heard, um, you know, on the Bill Simmons podcast, he would, like, um, bet teammates, like, whose luggage would come out faster when they were traveling and stuff, like, on the carousel. So, just, like, stuff like this, like, he was just so deeply competitive or, like, playing golf, like, 18 holes of golf the the day before Mm -hmm. a finals game, right? So, there was all this um, part, and I think that was so interesting that t- that storyline, and like then how the media turned on him, and then that's why he had to retire after that ninety three season. Um, I just thought that whole uh, part of the um, of the documentary was yeah. very very interesting, and was definitely one of the underlying themes about Jordan, just as this super competitive person. Yeah, definitely. Some some of mine that overlap with yours um, was definitely we we always heard about Jordan, just his insane competitiveness. Um, but seeing that that the actual off-the-court manifestation of you know his competitive disorder was really cool just like you like you mentioned throwing the coins at the at the uh wall or the playing cards in the plane everything that was all really really fun to watch (laughs) and then more generally just the the stuff in that that all-star episode where like he's talking trash with magic and bird or then after the the seven game series with the Pacers, he's talking Trasted Bird in the hallway. All that stuff was was just great. Like, yeah. um, because I don't know. It just it's it's so cool to see that these guys are kind of like normal and just are yes, joking around just, and they they're kind of friendly with one another. Well, you never see them. They're like you know? larger than life to us. And and, and again, they, like at the time, there's no social media or Instagram Live or like whatever where they could kind of just be themselves, like talking to fans or whatever. Which I guess you see more players nowadays do. I guess, but um you know like that that's what's so cool about this footage that was like never before seen it they were basically they kept it on ice for 20 years yeah. and then now finally they released it in the year 2020 even though it was, yeah. still, it was still 25 years ago and then finishing um, finishing with my my favorite quote which is one of mm-hmm. the i think the greatest quotes of the documentaries i think in the first or second episode um was roy williams who had been with Jordan at UNC and he said Michael Jordan is the only player that could ever turn it on and off and he never freaking turned it off cuz I think that's one of the uh one yeah. of the best ways that just kind of encapsulates Michael Jordan mm. as a basketball player. Yeah, I also awesome. would agree with you. I I also I loved like all the behind scenes like trash talk with Bird and Magic and especially after the Eastern Conference Finals when it's like you know there there was some cursing in there so I won't say I won't quote it exactly but it's just funny like Bird was the head coach of the Pacers who just lost to MJ and even though they were kind of buddies from the dream team and they played against each other and, and then you know they're cursing back and forth at the end and, and like that's basically the you know the way that you could say good game to MJ is like you curse him out so that was stuff like that was funny um, but my favorite one was a Doug Collins one he was the, who was the coach of uh, the Bulls at for um, during the 80s right before Phil Jackson stepped up and it was about that shot that he hit in cleveland to win the series uh and it was the uh, reporter after the game asked you know what what was that play you uh, at the end of the game for the game winner coach and he says oh yeah that was get the ball to michael and everyone get the f out of the way so i thought that was hilarious because he's like basically saying as a coach sometimes when you have a when you're just blessed to have a player like that it's yeah. like all right you take the ball Go hit the game winner and like sometimes it's as simple as that. Yeah. And that's basically what it was. Like, everyone get out of his way. Michael's gonna win this game for us. And that definitely speaks to how great of a player he was. Alright, so lastly is our last question. We kind of already touched on this. Or no, this is not our last question. Second to last question. We already touched on this one a little bit, but Alex I would ask you How has the documentary Affected the GOAT conversation So we definitely Just started (laughs) talking About LeBron And whatnot And generations And emotional bias But why don't we Continue that And finish off That conversation Well first I don't I actually don't think It should have Affected the GOAT conversation Like Essentially All this stuff Is stuff That was like knowledge. Like this is all on the internet. All the I guess we never saw the the footage behind the scenes. But all this stuff we knew Jordan had won. We knew his 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 crazy stat lines. Uh we we knew pretty much all this stuff. So I don't think it should have affected the GOAT conversation. Yeah I agree with you. Um, we knew everything about Jordan as a basketball player exactly. already before the duck. I guess for me, um it's kind of made me think even more that it, this is just really impossible to pick because what I will say that this that this uh, documentary enlightened me about is how different the game was. And I, I spoke earlier about how the super teams of today are are predicated on offense and nearly only, or almost only offense. Um, meanwhile, those Bulls super teams were all defense, really. So it just, and the, the low scoring games and it's just like the league is so, so, so different, especially with the three point line and everything that's changed with that and the Rockets and the analytics and Steph Curry. Um, but... So I guess just it's just so different that it's really like it's so dumb to me to even try to pick because if you, if the argument's like oh who would have succeeded like would a Jordans have succeeded better in this era or that era or would LeBron have succeeded more uh, you know that's a different argument but to me it's just it's trying to say the greatest like I think you can make an I truly believe you can make an argument for either LeBron or Jordan you want to throw Bill Russell Kareem in there like sure do that too yeah um, but I guess I don't so I don't think for me it's changed much. But I will say, I mean, obviously, with this this documentary, I can't have watched this documentary without having more respect and more um, admiration for Michael Jordan, obviously. Yeah, I kind of think it's almost like, I think a change needs to happen with how this conversation is had. It can't just be like... Jordan's the GOAT, LeBron sucks, and, like, that's what the older guys say, you know, LeBron's soft and he's weak, and that's the, the you know, the superstars <laughs> of today. Or, like, us young guys, who me and Alex have definitely been in this camp before, I would like to say that we've matured and changed, but, you know, we're like, oh no, LeBron's the GOAT, MJ played against, like, you know, bad competition in, you know, back in the day in the 80s, when, and then, you know, there were 72-10 because uh, there was the league expansion and the, the talent was watered down. Still true, that's um, true. But yeah, but again, I want to say like it has to be less emotional. It has to be like, listen, I acknowledge these are two. I want to say you. It, I w- I do have a problem if you say that that these two, that MJ and LeBron, aren't the two greatest players of all time. If you say that LeBron is, you know, behind Kareem or Magic or Larry or whatever, I would argue that. Um, I would argue against that. And I I do have a problem with that, but. As long as you're saying, listen, LeBron's one, Jordan's two, and this is why, and I think that because X, and I think a conversation, a, you know, an argument can be had. No, Jordan's number one, and LeBron's two, and this is the reason why. I'm okay with that. I just think it can't be so emotionally charged. Which, listen, I, or, like I've said, I grew up when I was 12 and 13 when the Miami Heat repeated, and when LeBron James won championships, and I'm looking at this at this player as LeBron James, as you know, he's like a god in my eyes. When when I was. Uh, you know, watching those Heat teams that I was rooting for. And, you know, he was my GOAT. And he is my personal GOAT, right? It's, it's like saying, oh, my favorite artist is, you know, right now is Rex Orange County. But I know he's not, like, the greatest artist ever, right? I know he's not better than the Beatles. but So I think people can have their personal, like, favorite player, their personal GOAT, right? Like, maybe if you're a Laker fan, it's Kobe. Kobe's your greatest player of all time. Or, or it's Magic or whatever. But I think you have to acknowledge when you're talking about, you know, the more objective things, I think... You have to be, you know, like I said, less emotionally biased and more respectful of like, well, all right, if it's LeBron or Jordan, you know, it's close. But, you know, I accept your argument. I think, John, what you actually just mentioned is why it's impossible for this conversation to ever become um, non-emotional or unbiased. Because I mentioned this kind of earlier is like when people were watching Jordan and they were just reminded of how Jordan was to when they watched him. But when people were watching him, they were watching and saying like they were in awe and they were like, there's no way anyone ha- will ever be greater, or right. who has ever been like greater. Same with us, but we watch LeBron and we're so sh- you know shook by what he's doing. It's like there's no like no way Jordan was better than this guy, right? Because this is in front of our eyes. So it's so deeply emotional and and, and biased that. This debate, this debate will continue forever right. until the next, until you know Giannis or Zion. Or even, even think wins about five it. rings. You know, kids nowadays who yeah. are you know five, six years old, seven. They're going to be growing up watching Zion and Luka Doncic yeah. and Trey and Jason Tatum, and maybe one of those guys who they're going to be arguing. Oh, those guys are way better than LeBron, and they're not even going to ever know anything about Jordan. Yeah. who They never would have watched ever, or maybe they don't even watch LeBron if they're you know kids now. If LeBron retires in a few years, um, but what, so. I just think it's going to happen for generations. And listen, if, if you acknowledge that, you know, the game is getting better, the technology is better, the shoes are better, the you know the doctors are better, and all this type of stuff is better, there's going to be a point where there's a player that's better than Michael Jordan in the next 100 years, a player that's better than yeah. LeBron James in the next 100 years. And, and, and one last thing I would say um, before we finish off this conversation is that I think... That it's crazy the pe- that people are writing off LeBron or a no he'll never pass Jordan that's one another problem I have with it because again, LeBron's playing right now. W- Le- was LeBron gonna win this championship this season if coronavirus didn't you know suspend the NBA season? You know maybe not, but obviously they hey, we'll had a shot to. We'll they, see and things are s- looking up. Right, if the NBA comes back, you know hopefully we could do another episode on that one. Hopefully that happens and listen I i I hope that LeBron does win it. I, I would put my money on it because I they, they seem like they were the most complete team right now at at this time yeah. before the season ended. So would he win? Maybe he wins again next year against KD and Kyrie in the Nets. And then now he has five championships and he repeated again or but see you know, there's all the ifs. There's a huge those are huge ifs. Like will LeBron win? You know, maybe, maybe not. But so you can't say but I think it's ridiculous to count him out because he's on the trajectory to surpass Kareem Abdul Jabbar as the you know all-time uh, the all time leading scorer and he's gonna be top, I wanna say five in assists. He's already top ten in assists. Yeah. And within for rebounds, he's not gonna pass, you know, all the centers. He's not gonna pass, you know, Dwight Howard probably. But I think for his for his position, for his size, he will get like to top, I wanna say three for his mm-hmm. height for a guy who's six eight and under. Yeah, and really um, quick before so, yeah. before we go to the next question um i guess yeah my conclusion you mentioned all the extra the points rebounds assists that lebron is accumulating and i think i guess that's what my conclusion about this debate was that jordan is probably the greatest winner ever and i think he's the greatest winner in in all sports just because of six and oh like like i said no one really had zero finals losses In um, in anyone yeah and then lebron to me is just the greatest basketball player in all time in that he's Better at more things than Jordan is on the basketball court, except for maybe free throws. That's it. But so, so Jordan, you can't deny the winning, the winningness of Jordan. And for LeBron, to me, his all-around dominance at the game of basketball right. makes him just a better, a better basketball player. Doesn't mean he's a better winner, but for sure. But people, again, Alex, people would probably disagree with you yeah. on, on that. So right. let yeah. us know. <laughs> hit us up, text us, send DM us, tweet us, double take yeah, tweet on Twitter, a double take underscore. Um, All right, so our last question before we wrap things up. We've seen a lot of NBA documentaries on 30 for 30 or ESPN, which is, they've all been great. I really like a lot of them. The Lakers-Celtics rivalry was, was really good. We saw that one, which was between like the 60s and 80s. Then we saw the bad boys. Well, so this, I'm, chronologically, the way the NBA went, they kind of marked all the bases. So we had the Lakers-Celtics, like I said. Then we had the bad boys. And now we have Jordan. And then there was also the Orlando Magic teams. Yeah, that's one I have Penny. not watched. I got to watch I don't one. think I've watched YouTube. but I just remember they made that one. They so did we've, we've like almost that. seen from, like, the 60s until about 2000. We've seen right. just about every, um, you know, important right. basketball storyline portrayed in a documentary. So what documentary, John, are they going to make next? Are we going to see a Spurs one? Uh, Shaq and Kobe Lakers won, the yeah. Heat one, Golden State uh-huh. Who's next. Yeah. You, which one would you make or which first, one would you pick? Yeah, first I would say, you know, I remember a few years ago thinking about, you know, especially after LeBron left, like, wow, what an incredible sports story. that Like, I was probably in middle school or early high school. I was probably 14 or we were, 15 no, at No, we were 14, I think. Yeah. Right, when LeBron had left and I was thinking, wow, like, what an incredible story. Like, LeBron came and Chris Bosh joined, and four seasons, we were, like, the best team at this thought I was like, wow, like, there's been nothing like this, which obviously <laughs> I was just ignorant and didn't know much about, you know, basketball history at the time. And that was the one I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to show my kids, like, there's going to be a documentary, you know, in 20, 30 years from now and talking about how great these teams were and whatever. And, and you know, you could definitely make that argument. But, uh, you know, after Kobe's death, I think that's the only answer right now. And I think that... Kobe's the next one Kind of how you talked about Chronologically You know We got basically th- From the 60s eight, to Through the 80s And 90s to- From the Lakers And Celtics documentary We saw the, the Bad Boy Pistons one Now the Jordan one Covered the 90s So basically Now you got to get Into the 2000s Through the 2010s The past 20 years Which I would basically say You know A basketball historian Probably look at it Saying like The you know, 2000s was You know Kobe Shaq the Spurs and Duncan, and then into the 2010s is like basically LeBron, and then into like the Golden State, yeah. and Kwai's in there somewhere, KD's in sure. there. But I would probably say they have to make one about Kobe, and I think Kobe's life because, and, and what better follow up one to the last dance? Kobe's would be than, special, you know, coming right after, like the player like Kobe, who you know mimicked a lot of what Michael Jordan did, and even in the documentary, he said. I don't win 5 without Michael Jordan which I thought was a very uh, powerful quote. Yeah, and I think the Kobe one would be special because you could cover from that first 3P or even Kobe getting drafted in 96 to that 3P. Well, you cover at, during and you know, then MJ's time, right? Like yeah. his last 3P to the 90 through the 99 season. And then you can and go and all the one. way until Kobe retires, which is 20, so, 2016 year retired. So, so that would be yeah. cool. You but get I will, twenty years right there. I do think an underrated one. I feel like most people wouldn't think about the Spurs one. I've seen I mean we've seen it on like ESPN. It's like what should they make a documentary about next? Kobe, LeBron, or the Golden State? Yeah. You know, and they, they deserve it They're great, but well, I, think the, I they think wouldn't be interesting. The Spurs, the Spurs one, see that's what you say. The Spurs one would be more interesting than you think, I think. Just because Yeah, like late draft is kind of like they finding these find like tony parker and monje Ginobili. like Ginobili went like 57 in this when uh, number 57 out of 60 picks in the nba draft so it's like how well, just that they, how won, they scouted these guys and bought they the them together they won the first yeah. championship in 99 and the last one 14 2014 so that's just like such a wide range of like stories and Things, well, but you know what? For is them cool. to have Tim Duncan, he was the only and player. and Greg Popovich, Popovich. That's right. what I'm saying. So you centered around Duncan and Popovich, so then you could talk about Kawhi and maybe why Kawhi left. I don't know. It's I think that one would be more interesting than people think. I'm yeah. biased though. Give me a LeBron one with the Heat. Give me him mm-hmm. trashing Durant on why when he went to the Golden State. Give, right. give me that one. So that's yeah. what I want. And I would say lastly, I also think about this as like when I look at my Mount Rushmore. You know, I got, like, you know, LeBron Jordan. LeBron definitely has to finish his career out before we can talk about having a documentary about him. Sure. But um, LeBron Jordan, I think Bill Russell, and then Magic and Larry were all covered, basically. Who Those are other Mount Rushmore guys were all covered in the Lakers-Celtics one. Yeah. So I think the next guys up are definitely, like, you know, Duncan, Shaq, Kobe, Kobe. obviously, like I mentioned. For sure. All right. Well, that wraps things up. On the most ambitious crossover event of all time. Don't forget, this was Corn things and Double Take. <laughs> thank <laughs> thank you, you for listening. Pretty special. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Please uh, stay tuned to the next coming weeks. John and I are officially on summer. We're going to be, you know, getting summer jobs doing other things. Maybe inter- online internships. But we will have a lot more time to be making podcasts. Um, so please tune in. Thank you guys for listening. Peace out.